It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 234 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, November 27th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well, Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Of course, Locked On Raptors is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which shows team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke. And of course, you can find those all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Find a show you like, find a team you're interested in, listen to that show, and then go to the iTunes page, rate, review it, all that good stuff. Do that with us as well. Locked On Raptors is on iTunes. You can find us, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It helps to move us up the rankings, makes us more visible, uh, and everything else I've said 500 times on this show before. Uh, so uh, yeah, please do that. I appreciate it. All right, on today's show, there's not a whole lot to talk about because the Raptors are in the middle of like four days off or three days off. Uh, so kind of just like bounce around a few things. It's our old friend. It's our old pal, Vivek Jacob. How you doing, man? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, this weekend was interesting. The Raptors lost to the Pacers 107-104 on Friday in what was a weird game. Um, I, I don't even know how that happened. Like, I mean, it's Lance Stevenson got hot and it's, that's how it happened. Yeah, it's, it's always weird when Lance is involved, right? Yeah, because Lance is like... A very bad NBA player. He's not good at basketball anymore. And he just happened to hit three threes when it mattered most. Uh, got away with a couple fouls that were uh, revealed to be missed calls in the last two-minute report. Uh, so hang your head on that, I suppose, if you're a Raptors fan. But it was just a bizarre game. The Pacers are an incredibly good offensive team right now. They're shooting the goddamn lights out. And the Raptors couldn't really keep pace. What was it that, you know, was there anything in particular from the Raptors that kind of stood out to you as the reason why they lost that game? Uh, that game in particular, I mean, it, it was kind of similar, obviously not as devastating as the third quarter against New York, but <laughs> again, that third quarter just killed them. They just came out flat. Once again, the starting lineup uh, looked lethargic coming out of the gate, you know, whether it's the first quarter or the third quarter, they really need to get themselves sorted out. If not, 
Casey's got to look strongly at uh, you know changing things up. He tried to change it up with Indiana by starting Siakam in that third quarter, um, but it, did, it didn't prove to be successful as many would have probably anticipated going in. But uh, probably that that needs a larger sample size because um, you know in other minutes that front court of Siakam and Ibaka has proven to be effective. It just didn't happen to be so uh, in those few minutes that they got at the start of the third. Yeah, I'm not worried about that little sample there. Um, again, the Pacers are a weirdly good offensive team, and they're just going to do that, I suppose. It's uh, kind of out of nowhere that they've become this great offensive team, and, and the fact that they shot so well, and I don't know. It's, it's hard to take much from that game and be like super angry about um, and I think that's kind of my overarching theme of the season at this point, is that even with the Raptors' losses, it's like, eh, okay, fine, they lost, but like we know they're good, and I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, that Friday game, Kyle Lowry was freaking incredible, which I still think is probably the most important thing to see him playing well. Um, the fact that he played 40 minutes wasn't the best, I suppose, but uh, he was really good, 24 points on a 6-12 shooting, 5-9 from deep. He had 10 rebounds, 8 assists. He was all over the place, uh, so I guess you're happy with that. Uh, yeah, this was uh, we could talk about DeMar DeRozan, I guess he's been kind of rough the last couple games um, just 13 points, 3 rebounds 2 assists against Atlanta he had 3 steals, which was pretty nice I, sorry, this is against Indiana um, 3 steals that night as well then he, against the Hawks, he had 2-2-8 two, two and eight, which was a very strange line uh, the entire night, the broadcast was like on about the the record, the, the franchise record for consecutive games with 10 points scored and DeRozan was one shy of tying Lowry uh, and he missed out on it, and I'm not sure DeRozan really has even heard of this record before, but uh, I don't know. What do you make of DeRozan's last two games? He feels like he's kind of gone off a little bit after he had that great uh, week where he won Player of the Week, and then that first half against the Knicks was probably the best he's played all season, and then he kind of fell off in that second half and hasn't been the same since. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not looking into... I'm not reading into the Atlanta game too much just because it was such a blowout yeah and so i mean he still had the eight assists and he was moving the ball I, I think it's just he didn't feel the need to score or assert himself so i, I don't look at the two points as a big deal the the uh post-game interview was hilarious where uh i guess it was paul jones that revealed to him uh <laughs> that the streak was on the line and now he's hoping that larry scores nine in the next game so <laughs> that romance never gets old um but yeah, uh, with the Rosen, obviously the Indiana game was a huge disappointment. If he has even you know just an average night, the Raptors probably come away with the victory. Uh, but again, I'm not overly concerned just because it's one off night in a game, in a season of 82 games. That's bound to happen, and he's been incredible to this point. The improvement once again every year. He always finds something, and now you can see it in the passing, and he's you know putting up more threes just a little bit more effective with that as well so overall I'm not I'm not too concerned and as you mentioned before with Lowry uh, he's obviously hitting his stride his last 10 games 19.1 points 7.5 rebounds 7.4 assists 43.6 percent from three so uh, and all this I mean he's only averaging 32 minutes a game which is five minutes down uh, from the last two seasons so I think that's the biggest thing for the Raptors you know just keeping him healthy heading into uh, April and May. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's been awesome. Uh, it's really nice to see. And he's got that wrist thing. I don't know. He's got a bandage on his wrist right now. And I guess like that can bring back some flashbacks from last season when he had the wrist thing on an All-Star break. And obviously, we know how that turned out. But 
Obviously, I think he's, if he's playing and shooting well while playing with it, I'm sure it's just precautionary. So I don't think that's anything to be too alarmed about. They have a few days off here. Uh, so hopefully that rectifies itself. Um, I guess Norm Powell is a point of discussion. He's been really good over the last two games after coming back. Uh, he had 17 points on Saturday against the Hawks, 7 of 13. 3 of 6 from deep, which was really nice. Uh, and against the Pacers, he had 16 points as well, 7 of 14. Didn't shoot well from deep, but... Uh, looked a little bit more in control. He was a plus 16 uh, among the, the best players on the team that night. Is uh, are you excited by what Norm's doing? Are you like changing your sort of tune on where you think he should be playing versus starter versus uh, coming out of the bench? Like, uh, how are you feeling about Norm as he's kind of working himself back from injury here? Yeah, this is pretty amusing because coming into the season, all anyone that covered the Raptors or followed the Raptors wanted to debate was whether CJ Miles or Norman Powell should start and now it looks like they might both be best off coming off the bench so <laughs> we're all idiots uh, is what they're, they're trying to say we're, we're all dumb yeah uh, basically and yeah but I mean that's a credit to the way OG Ananobi's come in and asserted himself uh, and played with that starting unit so um, I think uh I do like the fact that you can have Norm and CJ come off the bench together and, you know, their their games are so different that I think it's only going to help someone like CJ Miles who, when he when it was just him as a focal point off the bench, that it was harder for him to get that spacing and get those looks. And now, uh, you know, with DeLon Wright hopefully back uh, in the next month and Fred VanVleet's been really good. So yeah. uh, you look at the spacing that... Uh, that it allows now with Norman Powell able to create more off the bounce and just be, you know, just have that gravity to be a scorer as well off the bench. I think it bodes well for that uh, second unit. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Did you have an issue on Friday against the Pacers when Van Vliet uh, took that shot to, to try to tie it? That was a frustrating possession. I don't know. Right. Like I don't know how upset I should be about it. It was weird to see him being the guy to carry the ball at the court and, and fire the shot. Where like n- neither Demar nor Kyle. I mean, I guess Demar, you're not wanting him taking that shot in that spot anyway. But it seemed like Kyle maybe could have put himself in a better position to receive a ball at some point. But then again, maybe the Pacers are just playing good defense. Uh, what was your sort of takeaway from that final possession? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely disappointed that Van Vliet was the one that took the final shot there. Yeah. Um, and so I actually watched sort of everything that was going into that play because obviously they had to inbound it full court and you could see Ibaka sort of directing traffic there was obviously something that they were trying to run yeah and I just wonder if the Pacers just read it and or just completely had it covered and so um Van Vliet just I guess just anticipated not being able to get a better shot than what he had and so just went with it yeah, it was it was whatever. Um, you know, obviously not ideal, but again, it's hard to get too up or down with any of these losses or wins over the course of the season because ultimately, I don't think it matters all that much. Uh, so if you want to get Fred and kind of reward him for a really good game by giving him the the shot to tie, I, I don't think it was drawn up that way. But I, like, I mean, it's fine. On merit, on merit, he deserved to take it. I think probably because he was really good in that game. 
Um, and he's kind of quelled any issues I think people were or any concerns people had about the the point guard spot after DeLon got hurt because he's been really nice uh, for the most part. The, the crunch time experience with him can be a sort of a uh, an up and down ride sometimes and that he's really good for like 10 minutes and then there'll be one play where it's like ah I wish Lowry had the ball in his hands for that play and not Fred but overall I mean some of these runs that the Raptors have gone on late have pretty much all been with Fred on the floor uh, he was a plus 16 in that game as well uh, he was he led the comeback against the Knicks in the fourth quarter as well with the unit he was out there with so uh, I have no problem Fred getting a little bit extra run here and you know Casey's still figuring out what his crunch time lineup's going to be and I think it's going to be kind of a thing that's tested out all season and I feel like by the time we get to like March we'll know for sure exactly you know the same with the last year I mean the Raptors didn't have anything resembling a crunch time lineup until they made the trades and then it was like oh okay Serge and PJ are closing games together uh, uh-huh. and that's kind of set so I feel like eventually they'll figure something out with the crunch time I think we'll probably see something along the lines of like Kyle DeMar you know one of Norm OG or CJ and then Siakam Abaka as the as the closing uh, front court at this point, but uh, I guess yeah, we'll I'm see. with you on that. Yeah, man, Siakam has been just awesome. He's, uh, I mean, compared to your expectations, and I guess it's hard because OG wasn't expected to be playing yet. But like, is Siakam the most? Uh, I mean, I guess he's the most impressive rookie or impressive young guy in the team anyway. But like, it feels like he's like overshot his expectations by a mile anyway. Yeah, no, for sure because. I remember catching the end of uh, the G League, the D League, G League season last year, yeah. um, when he was sent back down, and he got some good playing time with them, and you could see him sort of working on stuff, taking more threes there, and working on his one-on-one game, and some of the moves you're seeing now, you saw last season. Obviously, the doubt I had back then was, you know, he's going up against opponents that aren't at quite the level of the NBA, yeah, and so. One thing that transferred over was you saw him do it in the summer league, and then he carried it into the preseason. And then you know, the longer it kept going, now it's just a part of his game, and you've seen that confidence every day. I don't know how much winning uh, the G League MVP did for him, but <laughs> maybe that just showed him. Uh, for him, he just felt that hey, you know what, I am too good for this, and I do belong in the NBA, and maybe that helped him. And now uh, we're seeing the fruits of that labor. Yo. Uh... Bruno was robbed, let's be honest here. <laughs> uh, right now, Pascal Siakam is the 90th percentile of transition scores in the NBA, uh, which is pretty all right. He's scoring 1.41 points per possession in transition. It's really fun watching him run the floor, man. It's, uh, it, oh, yeah. it's thoroughly entertaining. Um, and the fact that, I mean, his three-point shot's been kind of oscillating back and forth between reliable and cringeworthy, but... Uh, I feel like it's nice that at least he's trying it. His stroke seems reasonably smooth, I suppose. The the broadcast has been trying to correct his form while the game is going on <laughs> for the last two games, which I appreciate. Well, I mentioned the broadcast. Oh, my God. Have Jack and, and Matt, even Leo, been on a roll lately, man? They are just... Uh, that Like, that game against the Hawks, I, I don't know. I don't know. That ja- segment when uh, Jack ripped on the media food. Oh, my God. So they turned a Tums live read into five minutes of shitting on the worst media meals in the NBA. And, like, I, here's the thing is I'm not sure if, like, in a close game, Jack and uh, – or Matt and whoever, Jack or Leo, are the best, like, broadcast team in the league for, like, a close high-leverage game. But in terms of blowouts, there are very few 
broadcasts I'd rather watch to sort of keep the blowout interesting because most of the time it just becomes like boring ass conversation or in the case of the Warriors it becomes just like a big circle jerk about how good the Warriors are um, but with the with the Raptors games when they're blowing a team out or even when they're getting it's almost more fun when they're getting blown out because like Jack will just start going kind of just cutting into the team a little bit and it's kind of great but when the Raptors are winning by a lot they are just Amazing. I don't know even like and the people tweet about it all the time. Um, like the the Kevin Pelton shouted out Jack a couple weeks ago for Jack sort of marveling at the the, the modern world and that you can get stuff printed twenty four hours a day or some shit. I don't know. It's, like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then yeah, the the uh, my favorite thing is like the ongoing thing of Matt just like trolling Jack and Leo about Bigs taking threes. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing too. It's uh. You know they have their their foibles, I suppose, but they, they've been wonderful to watch this season. I very much enjoyed the broadcast. Um, what else is there, man? This is uh, the part where we run out of things to talk about in a three day off stretch. Demar Rosen missed today's practice with uh, a knee thing. He's going to be fine, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So don't yeah, think just that's... a little bump. Just let him yeah. get some rest and be ready. Um, but what are your thoughts on? the starting lineup do you think it's too soon to make changes do you think there is an issue with the starting lineup what are, what are your thoughts there i guess we can get back get into this uh yeah i i'm just kind of like unmoved by the entire conversation because i'm just not oh. sure it matters all that much because like it's not the lineup that's going to close games there will be times like Jonas Valanciunas is going to play minutes and i think as long as he's playing minutes there are going to be these issues because he's not a good defensive player and he is he's been what he is for the last four seasons, and yet still every game there's some sort of referendum on him as a player, uh, which doesn't make much sense to me because, again, he's been the same player for ages. Um, so I think for me, I I don't mind it just staying the way it is. I feel like it's been, like, compared to starting lineups of the past, it's been much more passable than those. Uh, right. And the Raptors have been able to come back with their bench, and maybe that's something you don't want to rely, rely on, but maybe it is. Maybe you can just rely on it and just kind of count it as something that, is going to be part of the flow of a, of a game where the second unit's going to come back. And maybe that comes to bite you in the playoffs again because bench units are a little less effective because they're just shorter rotations and you're not playing against, you know, full reserve units. But uh, I just think, you know, the Raptors can kind of counter that too by throwing in Kyle Lowry with bench guys. And then that lineup, you know, kind of obliterates everybody no matter who they're up against. So I don't know. For me, it's a thing that we're going to debate all year because it's the easy thing to talk about, but... I'm just not sure it ultimately matters who starts. As long as Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka aren't finishing games when it really matters, which I don't think they're going to be, and I don't think we've seen very much this season, uh, yeah. I'm kind of fine with it. I, I like It's just the political sort of thing you got to balance as a coach with Dwayne Casey. Like You're not going to not play Valanciunas because he's making a ton of money, and then you're also risking sort of throwing the second unit into, into, into flux as well by putting him yep. there. Because he runs counter to everything the, the the second unit does in terms of you know actually playing pick and roll defense and running and shooting threes and, and all that good stuff. So I'm just not sure he totally fits there. Uh, Joey Cash, frequent guest of the show, he kind of mentioned yesterday that like if you're looking at the optimal Raptors rotation right now, if you're trying to pare it down to nine guys, like Jonas is probably the odd man out in terms of effectiveness, and maybe we'll see that bear out when it actually matters come playoff time, and I would be okay with that. And I feel like. You know, Dwayne Casey doesn't have a, like a track record of sticking with Valanciunas when things go poorly, so I feel like you can kind of, you know, bank on that that he won't, you know, have a he'll have a pretty short leash come playoff time. 
So I, I just think it's kind of a thing to worry about now, but ultimately the Raptors are going to win a lot of games. Maybe they'll blow one or two here because of the starting five, but ultimately they're going to win 50 games. They're going to be a top four team in the East, maybe even higher than that, uh, just because they're talented and deep enough to win games against a lot of teams. Um, and it, it's not an issue for me until it's an issue in the playoffs. And Maybe use the regular season to try to you know stem that potential in the playoffs, but I also think it's so far away that it's not something to be too worried about right now. But where are you at with it? So with the starting lineup, I, I do think there is an issue, but at the same time, uh, because the issue is that you essentially have two centers in your starting lineup. I think mm-hmm. in today's modern-day style, I think Serge Ibaka's best position is center, and so you start out with two centers in the first and third quarters, and that's where the issues is sort of been for the Raptors but the other underlying issue is if you take Valanciunas out of that starting lineup it's almost like he becomes uh, the third string center and I don't think that's something you can afford to do because personally I'd rather have Pirtle play with that uh, second unit than Jonas and so you sort of so as you said about uh, Joey Cash um, he does become the odd man out and so I think that's the danger of taking him out of the lineup where he becomes completely alienated and then you know you've got potential chemistry issues so um, I, I think Casey's hands are sort of tied uh, with this because he can't uh, I don't think he can really bench either of Ibaka or Valanciunas and so it's just the way the roster is constructed right now and unless that changes I, I, I don't really see the starting lineup changing in a setting where you know there isn't really anything at stake you know what i mean the, yeah. like, the raptors are going to have home court advantage for at least the first round um you'd expect that and so once the playoffs begin that's where you'd expect to see the matchups play much more of a factor the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, and I, I, I trust Casey that he'll do that and he'll sort of adjust on the fly. And I, th- I feel like the last month of the season as well, they'll try to... You know, kind of hone things in as to what they want to see in the playoffs because I feel like they've been burned burned in the past by not getting things ready until the playoffs begin. Um, so maybe Casey's learned. I think Casey's done a pretty good job of learning year to year and adjusting over over long periods of time. So uh, it remains to be seen. It's uh, like I'm sure there will be like a certain subset of Raptors internet who will make the put a Baca on the bench uh, take at some point, which would be dumb and won't happen because he's the third highest player, highest paid player on the team and. I'm sure they brought Ibaka in with the sort of, you know, the sell that he was going to be part of the core, and I don't think you're going to get peak Ibaka effort, which is a rare thing anyway. I don't think you're going to get that if you move him to the bench, so that's not going to be a thing that happens. It's just the thing that, it's it's part of what the Raptors are. Uh, it's their predicament. Thankfully, they have ways to counter it by having lineups that are much more fun and interesting and entertaining to put in later in games to make up for it. Um, so it's not like they're stuck with this ass starting lineup and don't have a way to rectify things, right? So, um, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I guess uh, the other thing that's been circulating, and I'm not sure, I, like I have an issue with kind of making every trade rumor about the Raptors because not every trade rumor is about the Raptors, but Marcus Gasol 
is uh, apparently frustrated with the Memphis Grizzlies or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't really see a trade happening there with them, to be honest, but maybe. I mean, isn't Conley out right now, and that's why they're losing? Like, I feel like they're not going to do anything crazy until Conley's back and see if they're still good because usually they're pretty good together, those two, and they can kind of carry that team to wins. Um, and it's not like the West is anything, any great shakes right now at the bottom of the, the standings, so maybe they can kind of pull themselves back after this losing streak here. But um, I don't know. Gasol makes sense as a trade candidate, I suppose, it just in the general NBA. Uh, lots of teams, I could imagine, would want Marc Gasol on their team because Marc Gasol is really freaking good. Uh, he would look really nice in the Raptors and would be a nice sort of antidote to what ails the starting five, I'm sure. Uh, yep. But, I don't know, do you see any realm of possibility in which the Raptors have any sort of package to throw at the, the Grizzlies that would be, you know, comparable to someone else? And maybe this is the, you know, I think the way the Raptors could be kind of in the running, I guess, in theory, is that they're at the point in their timeline where it makes sense to maybe trade for a 30-something-year-old center who has what, a couple years left on his deal. I think he's very much in line with... Either DeRozan or Lowry's contract, I'm not exactly sure when he's done. Uh, it's either two or three more years. But, uh, you know, there's, I guess the timeline makes sense for the Raptors above all, like, more than most teams who might be younger, like, say, the the, the Celtics, for example. Like, they're, they're pretty young. I mean, the Cavs would make sense, too, but the Cavs have nothing to trade. Uh, but I don't know. That's the only argument I can see for the Raptors being interested is that they, they, they have a the, the, the sort of timeline that matches up, but I'm just not sure they have the package that would be able to do it. Yeah, in terms of the package, I mean, it, just for the fun of it, I went to ESPN uh, trade machine yesterday, and it's really hard to get something unless you involve a third team, right. um, because you know you look at the deals. I mean, obviously you'd have to send Valanciunas out, yeah, um, and then to structure it one to one, I just don't see how uh, you can make a deal happen. Um, not where both sides would be happy with what they're giving up anyway um so yeah it's going to be a tough deal to find uh what did sort of uh, catch my eye about Gasol's comments last night was when he talked about Conley and sort of referencing that oh you know they wouldn't have done this with Mike yeah and so that that sort of leads me to think that you know there might be even some friction between him and Conley now in terms of maybe there's other things that he's seen that you know that they get treated differently or one has a higher status than the other um, when they're supposed to be like the two together that sort of get it done for the Grizz um, so if that's a source of unhappiness for him then uh, you know I think it's going to get very interesting through December 15th because there will definitely be a lot of uh, teams that will be interested in um, are you there? you kind of disappeared hello? Yeah, you, you've been going back and forth throughout this entire thing with uh, your audio, audio quality, but you just kind of went into a tunnel there. Oh, really? Yeah, you're good oh. now. Oh. Yeah, anyway, strange. continue on. Uh, something about uh, the Grizz and uh, Conley, and you, you were going, you were near the end of your point, I think. Yeah, so I was just saying, you know, if there's uh, some friction between him and Conley now in terms of the way they're getting treated, um, I could definitely see things getting interesting interesting after December 15th where you know you, you have a bunch of guys that sign this offseason that become eligible for uh, trade and there will definitely be a lot of teams interested in his services because he is in my mind uh, a top 20 player in the league if not top 15 um, and easily one of the best three centers so yeah. 
um, yeah, it could get very interesting. Um, I don't know if Boston would get in the running again, but uh, things could get crazy. Yeah, it's hard to find a team that it would make sense for because of his age, and that's why the Raptors are interesting. That's the one reason the Raptors are interesting. Uh, Andrew Joe Potter, friend of the show, who will be a future guest on this show at some point, uh, he posited a Valanchunas, Jakobertel, Norm Powell package going out for Gasol. It works in the trade machine. I'm not sure if the trade machine factors in the Powell extension thing, because um, uh, I, I think it's the same issue that that the there was the same thing with Terrence Ross a couple years ago before they could trade him, uh, the poison pill thing. So that kind of uh, made it difficult to match salary or whatever, but because you have Valanciunas' contract in there, I think it makes it a little bit more palatable. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Is that plus, like, a pick interesting to you? I, I It's probably interesting to me because Gasol's really good and that he's the best player in that deal. Um, but I don't know. Is that too much to give up for Gasol? But also keep in mind the Raptors' first-round picks aren't very good. Right. Or they don't have uh, one this season. That's also, if you're if you're out there... Making fake trades, which I detest you probably. Uh, <laughs> make sure you factor in the Raptors don't have their first round pick this year. <laughs> so Valanciunas, Pirtle, and Powell, you said? Yeah. Um, you know what? I would probably pull the trigger on that. Yeah. Uh, just because it's, it's so difficult to find that elite level talent. Yeah. And... I don't see either any of the three players that the Raptors are giving up getting to the level that Gasol is at presently. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I would do that. Um, now, whether Memphis would be willing to do that is another question. Yeah. Well, the Hive might be pretty upset if uh, the Raptors trade Mark Gasol plus other stuff for Mark Gasol. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one because it kind of would run counter to the idea that the Raptors are kind of straddling the line between comp- competing now and also being good in the future because you're offloading two of your better, younger assets. But at the same time, it's kind of tripling down on this window. Uh, and if you can get Lowry, uh, DeRozan, Ibaka, Gasol as your sort of top four for the next three years, I mean, that's uh, it's pretty damn good. I don't know. <laughs> I would be okay with that. Uh, obviously, you're, put, you're setting yourself up for a lot of injury risk there, and maybe there'll be years where you just they're lost years over the next couple seasons. If or maybe there's one lost year if someone gets hurt, but you know I feel like the upside of one of those seasons could be you know significantly higher than maybe what they have right now. Um, but even then, who knows? Maybe the, the East is more open than we think, as we as the Cavs win eight in a row and are terrifying again. Uh, so maybe none of it matters anyway. Who knows? Uh, this isn't going to happen, by the way, people. Uh, the Raptors are not going to get Marcus Gasol. This is not me speaking it into existence. This is not me reverse jinxing it. Uh, the odds are overwhelmingly against it because there are 30 teams in the NBA, and uh, a lot of them have better stuff than the Raptors do at this point. So, uh, I don't know. It's uh, It'd be nice. It'd be lovely. I don't think it's going to happen, so I wouldn't lose too much sleep over it. Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can wrap it there. Is there any, any parting shots you have? Anything else you want to chime in before we let you go? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, looking forward to the game tonight between the uh, Cavs and the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, the last time we talked, uh, we were debating, you know, whether there's some problems with the Cavs, and now they've won seven straight, and it seems like Isaiah Thomas is on the way back. And so things are looking up for them again. And, yeah, it, I think this is going to be a really fun game with the Sixers and 
looking forward to what Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can do against them. I think Simmons is questionable for tonight, which sucks. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, That'd be a that bummer. Would suck. Yeah. Uh, Embiid, my God, is the best. I love him so much. The the Jalen Rose thing, the sixty nine oh thing, the Donovan <laughs> the Donovan Mitchell thing. Oh my God, he's just he's a god dream. He's so perfect. I love him so much, and I'm terrified every time he jumps up to get a rebound because I'm scared of what's going to happen on the way down. Uh, yeah. But God damn it, am I enjoying Joel Embiid right now? He's so goddamn good, um, and I hope uh, he dunks all over the Cavs tonight. It'd be a lot of fun, and the Raptors yeah. will be tied with the Sixers in the standings if that happens. Because I don't know. So that's a uh, that's interesting. That's fun. When are the Pistons going to start sucking? Because they're still second in the East, and I don't understand how. Hey, you know what? Tobias Harris is having a really good season. Mm-hmm. Drummond is turning it around and passing uh, like we never thought he could. And Reggie Jackson is alive. So um, I think they might be okay. I mean, they might not be at the level of this uh, 667 pace that they're going on right now, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they could definitely be uh, a forty-five, you know, to fifty-win team. Shout out to the well, East being fun. The East is like actually enjoyable, so that's cool. Uh, I'm not sure yeah. how good it is, but there are like ten pretty entertaining teams. I guess I don't like the Heat. The Heat are boring as hell to me. But there are, other than that, there are nine very interesting teams from one through ten in the East. Uh, I guess the Pacers kind of are boring too, but they're they're a fun story, I suppose. The Pistons are bullshit. They're going to fall back down. Come on. <laughs> Andre Drummond, really? Yeah. Come on. I mean, at, at some point you expect the top four to stabilize between yeah. the Celtics, Cavs, Raptors, and the Wizards, although the Sixers might have their own case. Yeah. Um, obviously, health is the main thing with them. But, yeah, uh, the Pistons, you probably see them as somewhere between a 5-7 to seven seed when it all shakes out. They're going to come ninth. <laughs> They're coming ninth. If I had to guess right now, I would say uh, Cavs first, Celtics second, because they're coming back to earth at some point too. They're, they can't just like keep barely beating bad teams all season long. Uh, so Cavs, Celtics, Raptors, Wizards, Bucks, because I think they're pretty decent with Bledsoe. Uh, then Sixers sixth. Knicks seventh, maybe? The Knicks are fun. I don't know if they're good. They're fun, though, so I want them to be good. And then maybe the Heat eighth? That's my... I mean, I'd, I'd rather see the Pacers, Pacers in than the Heat, probably, because I don't like the Heat, but... Uh, that, that, it's fun. The East is you good. Don't, you don't want to see James Johnson in the playoffs? I truly do not. I did not want to see him in 2014-15 in the playoffs, and I don't want to see him now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vivek, I'll, uh, I'll let you go. We've, we've gone yeah. longer than we were going to. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, anything you want to plug right now? Uh, as always, you can find my work on North Bowl Hoops, on Raptors Republic, on B-Ball Breakdown, and you can follow me at Vivek M. Jacob. All right. Uh, you can follow me at Woodley Sean. Follow the show at Lockdown Raptors. Uh, leave ratings and reviews on the iTunes page. Please do it. It really helps. It boosts my ego. It's lovely. Uh, and it helps to move us up the rankings. It makes, it, it makes us more discoverable. So please do that. Uh, we'll be back again on Tuesday. I have no idea what we're going to talk about Tuesday because it's an off day. and We've exhausted all the topics today. So hopefully something terrible happens overnight. Uh, but until then, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.